Welcome to Swedishness, the podcast about life in Sweden. Our hosts are no less than one of Sweden's most loved and well-known TV hosts, Kattis Alström, and Ireland's pride in Stockholm, journalist and storyteller Philip O'Connor. Okay, Phil, what's it about today? Well, today we are going to talk about robots. You like that? I, I love that. that. I love that. I love it. The first time when I heard we were going to do this, the first thing I thought I, I thought about was the Terminator movies, you know, where these evil robots take over the, the I world. I can imagine, yeah. yes. But I wasn't interested in the evil robots aspect of it, but I'm hugely interested in these things that can sort of that can help us out in our everyday lives. And I just wondered, you know, what what sort of electronic gadget or what machine makes your life easiest? Is there anything you use every day that makes your life easy? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I machines yeah because i don't have any robot even not yet, if, not yet. no I, i would love to have some somebody who uh, did my grass you know there yeah but those machines exist you can get these robots uh, i know i've seen them lawnmowers yeah it's really crazy i love it but I, i have such a small garden so it would be kind of stupid but uh, my dish yeah dishwasher, the, the dishwasher yeah. yes that's that's like a major that. one but i was thinking about robots because i i thought if i wanted a robot i would like to have a robot who could play instruments so i can have an orchestra So I can play like cello and the others can play everything else. That's, but you can probably find a computer program to do that, but not the actual physical instrument. I want is... the physical things. I want the robots. There you go. Robot developers, if you're listening to this, that's one. Uh, <laughs> you have a market of one there already, but yes. I think plenty more people will be interested. What would you like? Um, I'm not sure because, you know, it's this kind of thing of, I'd love, I love the idea of it, but I'm also really, really scared. And a lot of talk at the moment is about these self-driving cars. Mm. And indeed, there's a lot of Swedish companies who are cooperating, have huge tele- telecom companies and car manufacturers and they're working across the board. Now, I don't know if it's just age or whatever, but I, I look at that and I go, it's an absolutely brilliant idea, but I don't trust it. Because, no. you know, if you were to sit in a car, I drove from uh, from Trelleborg in the south of Sweden to Stockholm the other day. I'm sitting there going, it'd be absolutely brilliant to just sit down and press a button and let the car drive me there and I could take out my laptop and I could work away because it's a six-hour drive through beautiful countryside, yeah, but great. you still have to have your hands on the wheel. So I don't know. And then the other, the downside of that, of course, is that, you know, If you do have these self-driving cars in Stockholm or in any other city in Sweden, then all of a sudden jobs start to disappear. Mm. There's a lot of people uh, who make a living from driving, you know, driving into the airport or driving into the doctors or that kind of thing. So there's a huge sort of effect. If we do start to employ robots to do things that people could do, then you have, you know, sort of a moral and ethical, uh, political question around that as well. Of course. But if there was one robot that you could have, aside from the dishwasher and the lawnmower, is there one thing that you can think of right now, and the one that plays the instruments, Uh, is there one thing that you could think of, if I have that, my life would be instantly better? Oh my God, that's a really, really hard question. Um, a husband? <laughs> a husband that behaves like a robot. I think that's the dream of most of us as we go along. No, I don't know, I don't know. I, I think I, probably it's really, really good to have robots. I mean, like in, in the medical industry, Yeah. Um, it's a great success. Yeah. Um, but... I can't imagine. I don't know. Do you know? I'm, I'm, I'm going back to, there was some company that was thinking of delivering things with these drones. You know, so you go and you order a book and, you know, it goes to the order, goes to the warehouse and then the drone takes off. Now, we have that problem as people have this problem all over the world of couriers knocking on your door and then running away and then you have to call them up and get them to deliver it another time. So it sounds like a fascinating idea, but there are all these little details, uh, you know, how's a drone going to ring on your doorbell or how's it going to take a, these things to your office mm. or knock on the window and just spit the thing in there, you know? 
So uh, I think that's what we need to investigate today. We need to call in the experts here and we need to find out what a robot is by definition and also, you know, tease out all these questions around it. I often hear people saying that Swedes are obsessed with technology and, you know, others don't like the word obsessed and instead they say that we're early adopters. Would you agree with that, that people in Sweden are early adopters of, like, cell phones and fax machines Mm -hmm. and uh, robot lawnmowers and that kind of thing? I guess, I guess you could say so. Uh, One of the reasons is probably political decisions that made digitalization easy and meaningful. I'd like to share some facts about that. Cool. Sweden is one of the most digital European countries in terms of accessible, affordable broadband, internet skills, and how frequently people use the internet for key activities. That is also true for how well developed the digital public services here are. It is estimated that 99% of Swedish households have the opportunity to connect to broadband services. Sweden will also be the first country in the world to roll out 5G mobile phone coverage. Another example of Sweden's digitalization is the ongoing shift towards a cashless society. 95% of all purchases are made either by card or online. Or by Swish. That's online? Yes, this Swish payment system, I'm sure there are other payment systems. I know there's a lot of them in Africa, actually, where uh, they sort of they jumped over a sort of a generation of technology now that they have 3G. But Swish and iSettle and all these things, you can basically use your mobile phone to make and take payments. So I was at a soccer tournament there on a Saturday morning recently, you know, and what the parents do is they stand there and they watch the kids play football and they have a coffee or a hot dog. And I went and they said, uh, you know, I went with this little 20 crown note and I went to hand it over to go, no, no, it's only Swish, it's only this payment <laughs> method. So you got to take out your phone. But it's absolutely brilliant, you know, to have these digital payments and it all just happens automatically. This one is connected to your bank account. So it's not even that, you know, you get an invoice and you have to mess around. It just goes directly. It's like using your card at a terminal somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a fantastic system. And there are many of those systems that have been developed here and implemented here in Sweden already. around it. Definitely. And I, I'm very curious about robots um, instead of people because I was thinking about I was in a hotel in northern Sweden uh, the other day and it was a robot it okay. was nobody in the reception no way and I didn't like it no I mean it was very efficient and it was like it was fast yeah but I want somebody to talk to yep and to help me I, I was in a, a store, like a, a supermarket there, about a year ago with a friend of mine. And uh, we were going to, to these self-service checkouts where you go and you scan the things yourself and you put them in the bag yourself and you pay yourself and yeah. then you walk out yourself. And this thing of human interaction seems to be disappearing, you know. And robots are great and they're short in the day and that kind of thing. But I wonder if, you know, these little interactions that, you know, 20 years ago you would have had every day at the pharmacy, at the store, know. you know, at the dry cleaners. Isn't whatever. that interesting? How will that affect us as as people. It's just as social beings. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how that works. Yep, let's bring the guests. Amy Lufti is a professor in information technology at Örebro University with a special interest in robotics. More specifically, the mix of man and machine. Her research is about intelligent sensor systems and how they function in different environments together with human beings. Amy is originally from Canada and started her career as an electrical engineer. Amy, let's start with the basics. I think people have really different ideas about what a robot is today. Some might think that it's like R2-D2 and some think more about things that look more machine What do you think uh, when you talk about robots? What is a robot? What would you say? 
Well, you're right. There is no general consensus over what a robot is, but my definition and what I think many people uh, who research on robotics would say a robot is involves basically three ingredients. First, you have sensors, and sensors give the robot the ability to perceive. It gives the robot to know what's around it. Then you have actuators, and actuators give the robot the ability to act, uh, to change the environment, to make decisions. Then you tend to have a little bit of glue uh, in the sense that you put these sensors and actuators together. So depending on what the robot perceives, it may make certain decisions. This tends to be software, for example. Then I would say that an important factor to have a robot is that the workspace of the robot is outside of the body of the robot. Mm -hmm. So we wouldn't necessarily consider a, a washing machine that's very smart to be a robot because the workspace is inside the machine. Okay, that's the difference. So what is uh, the most common um, things that you might think is a robot but isn't a robot? Um, so one thing that people talk about a lot is software robots. So, for example, robots that uh, buy and trade stocks, they mm. call them robots. Uh, for me, this is a little bit of a weird uh, use of the term robot. Okay. Another example, as I said, would be uh, these smart appliances that you have at home. Uh, and if, if the workspace is still within the body of the machine, I, I wouldn't consider it a robot. Could you tell us a little bit more about your research? What is it you're trying to achieve with that? So what we try and do is make robots smart. And mm. what we mean by that is that we want robots to be, be able to handle these unstructured and dynamic environments. So we want to liberate robots from the factories and be able to, for them to work in our home environment or work in an outdoor environment where there could be a very close interaction with people. Mm. So you're from Canada? Yes, that's right. But, but why do you work with this in Sweden? Well, actually, the, the story is, is very long, but I came to Sweden uh, during an exchange uh, when I was studying to be an engineer. And my choice of coming to Sweden was very random. I can say that I didn't know very much about Sweden before I came. But when I came here to Sweden, uh, and when I came to Örebro, I started working with a group of researchers that was working a lot on artificial intelligence. And I just fell in love with the topic. And I was, you know, just stuck here ever since. But what about Sweden? I mean, are Swedes particularly tech-friendly, would you say? I would say that one of the things that really impresses me with Sweden is that it's had a very long tradition of technological innovation. And this goes back very many years, all the way, for example, to Jonas Wernström, who's one of my favorite people, uh, who invented, for example, uh, a lot around electricity, so alternating current. And then up to, for example, the Spotify guys that are working in, in modern times. And Sweden for being such a small country, has had a lot of these innovators and these entrepreneurs who have been able to take the knowledge uh, from a technical field and really transform it into something useful and beneficial for society. Mm. So I think this is something that's very particular and very special about Sweden, which I think attracts many people. But does the, the, the things from Sweden uh, and our skills, do people know about that? For example, in Canada and the United States? Well, I can say growing up in Canada, we always heard of Sweden as being the the, the optimal example, you know. Um, and I think that there are a lot of things around us that perhaps we don't necessarily associate with being Swedish. But then you start to dig under the surface and, and everything points back to Sweden. You start to wonder, how can this country of just, you know, 10 million people accomplish so many things? Mm -hmm. 
have a look in your crystal ball for me now and have a look into your research and tell me in what way are we going to be using robots in, in 5, 10, 20 years, both privately in our private lives and professionally? Well, I think the, the big change that we can foresee now for robotics is that they're going to become much more flexible mm -hmm. machines. So they're not going to be you know, uh, in a cage like we tend to see in, in industry, but really coming out of the cage and like we have robotic uh, lawn mowers and vacuum cleaners today. Mm -hmm. What I would really like to see in the next decade and maybe in the next two decades is very close human-robot interaction mm -hmm. so that you have a robotic worker that works very well with human workers that can assist the human, for example, in very heavy tasks or very repetitive tasks, but the human still is doing what the humans are good at, the mm -hmm. cognitive abilities, um, the, the social interaction, mm -hmm. and that robotics in some way can facilitate that for humans. And do you think it will be, it will be a reality for all people? For all people? Um, maybe not. Uh, I think that Getting access to robotics is very important for all people. So being able to, for example, increase the competences of uh, children, but also of existing employees today, so they're aware of what robotics can do for them is important. But I don't think all branches need automation. That's interesting that you say that because, you know, if you look at car manufacturing, there's a lot of robotics involved there. Uh, you mentioned, of course, the robotic lawnmowers and that kind of thing. When do you expect this to become a sort of a broader reality? You know, would you say, is there a time frame for when the robots will be sort of implemented a little bit more in our everyday lives? Well, I think it's happening already now. I think there's a strong push, for example, to move part of the manufacturing industry back uh, back to uh, Sweden, mm. uh, and I think that we're going to see within five years a lot of automation uh, coming into smaller types of enterprises and smaller types of businesses. And I think that the the main driver of this is to create more sustainable production. Okay. Um, so just simply by moving part of the manufacturing, for example, here, we can have a huge environmental impact, and mm. this is quite important. So technology and the environment go hand in hand with each other. What is your main interest, would you say? The te technology or the more human side of it? For me, it's definitely the technology. It's to develop uh, algorithms and develop new technologies. But I think one of the things that I love about being a robotics researcher is that in order to solve the technological problems, I have to look at humanity. I have to look at the human example because we're a very good example of an intelligent machine. And so I have to look and say, well, how do we solve things? And that gives me a, a very nice insight into, into myself, but also into others. Uh, if we look at Sweden in the specific area of artificial intelligence, you know, is Sweden up there around the top? Is it in the middle? Is it falling behind other countries? How would you put them on the global map? Uh, we are very good, and if you look at the different research research groups around Sweden, we're very good at a select amount of subtopics mm. in the field of AI and in the field of, of robotics. Uh, because Sweden, as I said before, is a relatively small country, of course, we don't cover the entire spectrum. But particularly in the combination of AI techniques with robotics, so making robots more intelligent, there we really have, have an edge. And who's financing all this? Is it your university? Is it private companies? Is it the state? Who's footing the bill? Um, well, it's a combination. Uh, the state is putting a lot of uh, financing into research, which is quite important because that also drives innovation. 
Then there are other larger funders. For example, the Wallenberg Foundation is putting a a big initiative within uh, autonomous systems. Uh, So these are sort of the main drivers of of the research. And then there are as well uh, initiatives to focus more on the um, innovative side. That means the startups. Mm. So there are state agencies as well that put more um, economical focus on how you can get companies to go more and more towards digitalization and automation. And what about research? What is pushing research forward? Well, I think it's a combination of things. First of all, the funding is quite important. Uh, The strategic um, emphasis on the importance of digitalization for really pushing Sweden forward. Um, And then I think that... uh, other aspects, uh, for example, as I mentioned before, the environment, our our goal to uh, reduce a carbon imprint for industrialization also pushes automation forward. But we have some concerns about like relationships or people losing their jobs because there are robots instead. What are your worries about all this? Well, I think the concerns are... are Uh, legitimate, um, because I think that with any type of very fast progress, we have to have a moral compass that guides us in that progress. I, I'm pretty sure that if we automate certain processes, it will affect the job market. I think it would be naive to think otherwise. But we also have to remember that whenever we've had these these technological shifts, it also creates new job opportunities that we could never have predicted before. Like, So, for example, when we take agriculture, the big change in agriculture, what happened was that we had uh, less need for people to be working on the farms, and then they moved into the cities, and we created whole new industries. And I think that will happen as well with this sort of industry 4.0 or this robotics revolution, if you like, where certain jobs will be automated, certain jobs will most likely be replaced, uh, and new jobs will emerge. Perhaps we will require more competences from people who can program and create these robots, Mm. uh, and that will require human competences. Um, The key, I think, is how do we handle the transition? So how do we handle the transition from being you know, a completely manual process to being completely automated? And how do we do it? That's a very <laughs> good question, and I think that's something that we need to focus on research-wise. So, for example, if you take uh, autonomous vehicles, mm-hmm. what happens when you have some cars on the road that are autonomous mm-hmm. and some cars that are being driven by humans? If we go back to you know, the 70s, the 80s, science fiction movies and that kind of thing, you know, what's happening today in terms of robotics is sort of beyond the wildest dreams of anybody who was around in that period. What are the wildest dreams that you have for the next 20, 30 years? What's the craziest thing that you think might happen within this field? Well, I think, if I'm to be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed. I thought by the year 2000, we would have other types of technologies that I don't see. For example, I always grew up with this vision of flying cars, Mm. but there aren't any flying cars (laughs) yet. I thought so too, actually. So I don't know. I mean, um, I never really, as a child, uh, would have predicted, for example, uh, the information mm. uh, age that we're in now. Yep. So having something like the Internet has really changed things. It's it's almost a disruptive technology. Uh, and that puts us on a path that, that I never would have guessed. Um, so I don't know. Mm. I, I lost the question a bit. <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's very valid. I mean, is there anything that you can imagine that doesn't exist now? Or is there anything that you can imagine that you would like to see in the future? Yeah, I would like to have a, a robot that you could teach 
uh, and customize just by interacting with it. So I would I would have this vision of coming home and unpacking my robot, my household robot, and saying to that robot, okay, these toys you put on this shelf and these clothes I want you to iron this way and hang it up yep. uh, in this closet. And this is how I like my breakfast in the morning. Mm. And it can really understand me and understand my needs so that it can save time so I can spend my time with my family instead. See, I like this idea. The idea of a robot doing that because I tried to teach my kids to do it and it's just <laughs> not happening. I was just thinking about my kids, actually. Uh, but uh, a last question for you, Amy. This episode is called Can Sweden Ever Be, be Run by Robots? Uh, what is your answer to that? My answer is simply no. Uh, Sweden can never be run by robots. Sweden's potential and Sweden's uh, strength is in its its human capacity. Uh, and its human worth. And just as I mentioned before, the innovative potential that this country has comes from the people who are generating these great ideas. But is there any country that could be run by robots? No, I don't think the world can be run by robots. I think it's nice to know that we'll never be surplus to requirements, Cathis. <laughs> Amy, thank you very much thank indeed. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. While plenty have cheered this tiny Nordic country's race to the top when it comes to technology, there are others who have highlighted the challenges of an increasingly digitalized society. As Sweden shifts towards becoming the completely cashless society, you might, for example, ask how this is affecting an older or a disabled person who is struggling to get to grips with the new technologies. Others ask how digitalization, big data collections, smart algorithms, non-transparent big business and those kind of things affect democracy. And Andreas Ekström is one of them. Andreas Ekström is a journalist writing for the Swedish newspaper Sydsvenskan and a campaigner for digital equality. Andreas, what is your main concern? My main concern is that we don't see enough of digital equality. Uh, That means that citizens generally aren't informed well enough about who holds the power to their digital world. They're not technically advanced enough to understand what's under the hood of these tools. You don't need to understand a lot of it, but you need to understand some or you're a complete prisoner. You're completely um, stuck there. We need to understand that some of these big technology giants really like us to stay with them. They're always trying to make seamless solutions for you to just say, you know what, I'm going to just stay here with everything that's mine. That's generally not healthy. It's not healthy for um, your personal integrity. It's not uh, healthy for your business alternatives. And it's not healthy for the development of the tech world or for democracy. But if that is the only option. Yeah, at this point, we, we do have, uh, it's not a monopoly, but, uh, but you know we have a few strong power players that really control our views on all things digital. So if I have to state a, a mission statement of mine, it would be that I'm trying to educate for digital equality. I'm just generally a Swedish person who likes equality stuff. So I just think we should be sharing the wealth as far as both finances and knowledge goes. Otherwise, we're going to see a digital divide that's going to create a, a divide in society. Here's a simple exercise anybody can do. Um, go through your, your friend list on Facebook and ask yourself, do I have an alternative means of communication with each and every one of these people? Should Facebook be down? You're going to be surprised because we move and we get a new email address and we even get a new last name when we get married. We get a new phone number. We get new everything. But Facebook is becoming the contact constant of the world. Mm-hmm. So people are under, underestimating Facebook because, oh, that's a social thing. It's boring, whatever. It's parties. Whoa, whoa. No. Think of the scrolling list in your phone with with a directory of names. You don't know any phone numbers anymore because you have the, the list, of the contact list, right? Think of that contact list, but for the entire population of the world. 
that's Facebook. Mm. And then you get a more of a, an accurate view of the power and the strength of this company. What if they combine that with a piece of hardware and create a global EID for everyone? Mm. And you can do your bank stuff there. You can vote in local elections through there. They're going to be the issuer of global personal identity. Well, here in Sweden, people often brag about, you know, how uh, they're at the forefront of the development of technology, of artificial intelligence, of digitalization. But would you say that uh, Sweden has lost a lot of ground to the big five companies, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook? Well, I don't know if we ever had that ground, um, honestly. I mean, we've we've done, and, and I mean, we should be proud as, as Swedish people um, of just just the amount of innovation that's come out of this nation for 100 years or more, really. I mean, looking at a population of 10 million people, it's it's quite impressive. Um, we've had a few competitive advantages. We've been pretty early with infrastructure when, when fiber broadband was the key. We dug a lot of holes in the ground and put down a lot of fiber. That does make a difference. We've had a pretty good educational system uh, where you can get people out to be ready um, to work in professional context with with many of the classic engineering tasks. So there are a few things that has, has put us ahead. Um, what are some of the, the most amazing Swedish things? So Skype, bought mm-hmm. by Microsoft now. Um, Minecraft, bought by Microsoft now. Um, and we could go on with with mentioning a few uh, a few pretty cool startups that have, have t- turned out to be really profitable and valuable and, and gone elsewhere. Um, so is Sweden losing? I'm not sure. I mean, you could all, you could say you could say that the the internet culture is losing. When you have five giants like these, there are a couple of more and some venture capitalists too. They're going to limit our scope on innovation just because they have so much money that if they see something that's even remotely interesting, they're just going to buy it. Mm. Uh, and sometimes buy it just to get the staff. I mean, just, yeah. to, just to get this t- 10 smart people working in this company. Let's hire them. Well, we don't want to because we're doing this startup thing. Okay, we're buying it. We're closing it down. And now you guys are with us and you can go do these things instead within the company. And but, there are several examples. But, but is it not the case that Swedish companies, I'm thinking of Spotify in particular, uh, which bought an Irish company called Soundwave because Soundwave had technology that Spotify wanted. Mm-hmm. So is this just the ecosystem? Is Sweden just a cog in the wheel of this sure. digitalization? Sure. I mean, that's the, that's the way it works. I mean, and that's... That's, that's healthy and a natural part of an economy. The the lack of balance happens when you have a few power players with with so much money, so much leverage. Mm. Uh, and not only that, I mean, just think of this incredibly boring expression to think outside the box. It's yeah. a very used ex- expression, right? But imagine a startup today trying to make something brand new. There's no way that a startup today is going to think outside the box of the big five. Google, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, can, and Amazon. What, what can change that in the future? Well, I, I'm not sure that anything can short term because why would you want to develop something that stands outside that ecosystem? You're not going to have any users. So You're what gonna... would you like to see in the future? I mean, who would lead this the mission to, to break on the power players that well, you so, talk about, the big so five? I com- yeah, so I come back to... To my personal mission statement, to to try to educate for digital equality through journalism, through talking, through through the school system, through anybody who wants to listen. But in in five years' time, what is Sweden's place in that market? You have your finger on the pulse here in Sweden on a global scale. What what will Sweden's position be in five years? Could be pretty good. Um, there's there's a, a, a vibrant culture as far as. Um, running companies in Sweden has changed tremendously uh, over a few decades. That's really a something that young people talk about wanting to do. I mean, we were more big corporation or, or government-oriented as a, as a people mm. back in when I was a kid. 
and I'm born 1975, so uh, that's changed cu- culturally. Uh, we do have the, techno- the, the technological and um, groundwork laid out, that's for sure. Um, we have some, some good examples, some good role models. We have some business angels who are working in Sweden. So a lot of these things are in place. Um, one thing I would like to see for the future of global innovation, and that's not only a Swedish issue, is a, a serious political debate on how we can work legally and financially truly international because anything that's not international is not going to be relevant. Uh, Andreas, we had had a discussion with Amy about robots in the future and and what are your dreams? What kind of robot do you think would be good to have in the future? The best robot I know of is the one that vacuums my kitchen floor and it's already working and it's it's and you know what sometimes it works as a reminder that um, this technology of machines doing stuff for you is not necessarily so incredibly science fiction. Really hands-on, basic, limited tasks like that. Um, That's how we're going to be learning this. That's how we're going to get used to this. That's why we're not going to be bothered. It's not going to be this person-like robot walking into your kitchen saying, would you like your tea this or that way? That's not where we're starting. We're starting with a vacuum cleaner that I don't have to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's why I'm, I'm not expecting any big cultural changes. It's like when you look at, a, I think that was a Jerry Seinfeld observation, like when you look at the future, at what point does somebody say, from now on, everybody's going to wear the same clothes? We're just going to do the overalls and the silver boots from now on and, and no more individual clothes. Like, at what point does anybody say that? Like, we have some sort of weird, completely unrealistic views on how future happens. It just happens gradually. Small things. Vacuum my floor. <laughs> Thank you, Andreas. This was really interesting, wasn't it? It was fascinating, uh, actually learning the difference between a robot, what Amy was saying there, you know, that the workspaces outside the robot itself is something that I never thought about. But it was a little bit scary as well. When you talk to Andreas and you realise exactly how much of, of your private life that you're, you're giving away for free to something that is certainly has me thinking about what I'm doing on social media. Definitely. If you really think about it, this kind of crazy. But I the think one, the, the, the way we use uh, social media or Google or yeah, Facebook and everything. Yeah, we sort of, we, we give it all away, but I'm not sure that it's an unconscious thing for many people because, you know, the whole purpose of talking about this is because of the fact that Sweden has been at the forefront of developing technology. And I think that it, to a certain extent, people are conscious of that. They know that they're giving away their pictures. They know that they're giving away, you know, by saying you're going to an event, that they're mm. giving that information away. But I think to some extent, people are prepared to do that and that you know without knowing you know what it's being used for that to me is a little bit scary it's scary hopefully the young people know better in the future well as long as they use it for the kind of robots that we were talking about a little bit earlier on i don't think i mind too much no okay phil that was all for now thank you very much for listening and remember that if you want to find more information about sweden you can visit sweden.se This podcast was brought to you by the Swedish Institute, a government agency which promotes interest and confidence in Sweden around the world. To learn more about all things Swedish, visit sweden.se or sweden.se on Facebook or Twitter. To learn more about the Swedish Institute, visit si.se.